the cycling mayor. This is Wheel Life. Legal reflections on vulnerable road users. The podcast where two experienced lawyers, who also happen to be enthusiastic cyclists, chat their way through topics concerning cyclists and other vulnerable road users from a legal and insurance perspective. Hello and welcome to this edition of Wheel Life. I'm Emily Formby of 39 Essex Chambers. And I'm Caroline Hall of DAC Beechcrofts. So, Caroline, good to see you. Um, how have you been? How's things going? I, well, I'm really good at the moment. Uh, sun is shining. Uh, I think uh, we started the last three podcasts saying the sun is shining, so, uh, <laughs> which is quite good. Um, I am, however, in a cycling funk at the moment. I seem to have lost my mojo, um, which isn't good. I My friends took me out last Thursday night to try and find my mojo, and all we did was find a pub. Uh, <laughs> so we cycled there and we cycled back, and I haven't been on since. So I'm hoping that this will spark a bit, bit more cycling excitement in my life again but uh, you've been away on holiday um yeah we managed to find a self-catering shepherd's hut in wales for five days which was just unbelievably brilliant um with um a bit of cycling not a huge amount but um quite a lot of walking and just a change of scene it was fantastic um and talking of change of scenes we've got a change of pace this week because in this episode uh i'd like to welcome our very special guest adam tranter um it's really exciting because we've come across and made contact with adam as a result of our wheel life podcast so adam is the first example of a connection we've made um, um with a real life uh, cyclist who's coming to talk on this episode um, and actually what Adam reflects is how much we have to learn about cycling and vulnerable road users because he is the bicycle mayor of Coventry which is a role that I'm ashamed to say I knew nothing about before meeting Adam so we'll ask Adam to explain all about that um, but first one of Adam's many successes is setting up Warwickshire's first school cycle bus which runs every week, delivering about 20 children to school by bike. That's uh, something particularly um, fond to me. As you know, I've taken my son to school on a tandem for many years and is particularly appropriate today. We're recording this episode on April the 23rd, which is the day that Prince Louis is in the papers on a balanced bike on his first day to school, showing the way to us all for the early benefits of cycling. So a big welcome to you, Adam. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, could you start by telling us a little bit about uh, yourself and your role as a cycling mayor and kind of what that is? Yeah, sure. So um, I guess me personally, I'm a lifelong cyclist. I was uh, I was racing bikes when I was eight, nine years old and um, I wanted to make a career out of cycling. I wanted to be a professional cyclist. Um, but the problem with that was I kept finishing 37th. Um, so I was never able to uh, I have a follow my dream if you like to to be a professional cyclist so I, I kind of left school with um, not much demonstrable skills really um, and and kind of got to a point where I was like what can I do so I started to to write about cycling and then I started to work in communications around cycling um, and that's led me in my kind of professional life I, I run a company called Fusion Media um, we're a communications agency for cycling we work brands like Brompton um, Shimano, um, lots of brands in this um, in this space. Um, more recently, I've kind of dedicated quite a lot of my time to trying to change the way we perceive cycling, which is again a comms issue, um, but also trying to make change in my local area and local community. So a couple of years ago, I came across um, a scheme called Bicycle Mares. Um, I thought that looks interesting. I'll have a look at what that is. 
Um, and I uh, that led me down, you know, a path of research, and and I got to um, speak to the people who had created this, and and they quite openly said to me, "We've ripped off another idea in the Netherlands, quite a progressive one. Um, they need a better name in English, but they're called nightmares, uh, and they were people that um, they were people that looked after the uh, nighttime economy on behalf of the communities. They were appointed by um, pub owners, club owners, etc., to basically engage." be independent but engage with government councils etc to I guess fight for the rights of the uh, for the nighttime economy um, and the organization that I'm part of bikes which is BYCS they saw that and thought that looks good we could do that for for bikes that for cycling so the first bicycle mayor was in Amsterdam um, that that role is now actually you know funded by the city of Amsterdam um, government and actually the city there fund the scheme more broadly so that allows the organization to do more and more things around the world um, and that's led me to to become the bicycle mayor for for Coventry I'm the first in a UK city I'm the second bicycle mayor in the UK there are over 100 uh, around the world and we're we're normal people we're independent we're not part of the council but we are here to work as I guess critical friends with decision makers in local areas and and that's exactly what I'm doing in Coventry and and um I think we're we're starting to see a little bit of uh, uh reward there. So that's um really interesting and really a fascinating background actually but in terms of uh your role in Coventry um is there a I mean is it a term that has any determination or could you be the bicycling mayor um as long as you know even when you're on your sort of motability scooter at the age of 95 or um and and what do you sort of aim to do in your time in that role yeah so um a bicycle mayor is a uh kind of it can be a variety of things there there are as i say bicycle mayor in amsterdam who is part of um effectively part of the city government there are bicycle mayors who are actually um uh, councillors uh, for example um, and then there are campaigners and, and advocates etc and I'm I'm in that category um, I have a, a, a relationship with Coventry City Council um, which basically manifests itself in that I support engage and advise them on cycling matters and they do what you know is important for all good cycling and, and active travel schemes which is you know, engage with people who know about this stuff, engage with know about the communities, people who are riding bikes, etc. So I guess I'm a kind of conduit to the wider um, group of people that are already cycling. But importantly, I'm here to work on behalf of people who are not yet cycling. So I'm not really interested in people uh, like me. Uh, I can make cycling better for people like me, and that would be great. Um, but really, I'm I'm interested in those who those people that at the school playground when I turned up with my kids on on a cargo bike they said oh I'd like to do that I would cycle but or I would like to do that but and there was always that but and that but is always safety and, and the confidence that people feel so I'm about trying to get high quality separated protected bike lanes I'm about trying to communicate cycling as being for everybody uh, we have this perverse thing in this country where we think that um, those driving you know, thirty or forty thousand pound SUVs are uh, a kind of normal working people, and those cycling on two hundred pound bicycles are this sort of liberal lefty elite. Um, and it's really important that the people just see that cycling could be for people like like me. I could do that. Um, so I'm a, I'm a champion for cycling, I guess. But what what I think I'm particularly focused on is that infrastructure side so there's a lot not a lot there's not enough there's quite a lot of budget for cycling compared to what there has been 
Um, so we have two high quality protected bike lanes going in in Coventry. Um, you know, one's right in the ground now, another one's just finished consultation. So it's about, you know, getting that infrastructure in because we can talk about it all we like, but it's the infrastructure that will make the big difference to getting more people on bikes. So one of the things that Caroline and I often have spoken about on this podcast is how, I mean, not just as you say, the distinction between the person in the SUV and the person on their bike, but actually they're often the same person at just different times of day or different stages of life. Well, it was just the point I was just about to say, you got there just before me, that I walk, I walk the streets, I ride my bike, I drive a car. So I do all forms of transport. Yeah, me too. People's attitudes towards us change depending on which one you're doing. Um, And I suppose what you're saying is trying to get the attitude that, well, you're helping with making the attitude that everyone's the same. And especially if you're on a bike, you're not demonized by everyone else. Yeah, I think I think that's largely true. Um, The other thing I would say that I I, I have to kind of, you know, I I can afford to run a, a car. I had two cars now. I've only got one. Um, and I use all forms of transport, as, as a lot of people do. But there are also, in Coventry, there are, you know, 33% of people who don't have access to to a car. And we've specific, particularly seen during COVID that, that public transport hasn't been there for them uh, either. So we have to give people, uh, we have to give people options. And then also, I guess, um, I'm not in London, but I work in London, I used to live in London and, you know, boroughs like Hackney, Tower Hamlets, etc. You know, the majority of people in those places don't have access or don't own uh, a, a car. So I think in the in this kind of where we are now, where I think cycling is at the cusp of a kind of revolution, there's a lot of people that you'll see on the road and car drivers on the road and kind of other than that, I think, oh, that's another type of person there. They're almost dehumanised from either what they're doing or what they're wearing and that's just stupid because as you say like they're normally you know uh, people that are doing uh you know very normal things um and and use all all manners of transport we don't call people who use the bus like busists or whatever you know these are just people going about their stuff and, and and going about their um about their business but i think really we need to see cycling as a as it always has been really like a as a social mobility tool especially in 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 cities um, where it's sometimes a car is not an option and, and increasingly for all of us shouldn't be an option for, for most of our short journeys. Do you think it's like an attitude shift that is really needed more in this country than anything else? Because I know what you say about going across to the Netherlands. I've, I'm in a bubble during lockdown three and my one of my bubble, Rude, is from Amsterdam and his attitude is always get on the bike for everything. And I met up with them on Tuesday night for a site to go for a walk and I drove there and he turned up on his bike. My friend Nikki turned up on the bike with their three-year-old in the back and I got lambasted. Why didn't you cycle across today? I was like, well, I didn't think about it because I think about cycles in the longer terms and I didn't think about just jumping on my bike to go and meet them. Part of the element was I didn't want to leave my bike locked up. That was my own attitude shift, whereas the person I was with, because he grew up in a country where you just jump on your bike for everything. Yeah, I think that's really interesting because I have a foot, I mean, Adam, um, Caroline is based in Bristol. I've got a foot in Oxford and London um, and Oxford's very much a cycling city. London, we've always, my family, we've always just jumped on our bikes for everything. I don't see cycling as a form of exercise at the weekend I don't go on a sort of 60 mile ride like Caroline does I see it as getting from A to B and carting things around um, and it's it's really interesting I was just we've been reflecting quite a lot on um, 
some of the policy changes in London of trying to reduce car traffic and and maybe we'll come on to it a little bit some of the streetscape schemes as well um but just the last couple of days I've really noticed quite a lot of wobbly cyclists around uh, as the traffic is increasing because one of the things about covid has been it's been quite a good time to crack on with local cycling because there's been so little traffic and all of a sudden there's that interplay again of bike and car which always produces a risky conflict given how much bigger cars are than bikes do you find in coventry the response to road infrastructure is more centered around what i'd call the kind of cross city major cycling commuting or that kind of jump on your bike to go 100 yards around the corner drop your kids to school and do some shopping on the way back yeah i think you have to have you have to have both of those networks and it's actually a really interesting issue in coventry because the way cycling is funded at the moment and the way that we've seen cycling be funded um from the the kind of emergency um stuff that came in uh, since the as a result of the pandemic um has been um has been kind of in large, large-ish lump sums to uh, councils who uh, are making, you know, those arterial routes. And they're really important. And they're the stuff that, you know, is tough to get in. You know, there's the cycle lane that, that's just gone into consultation from the city centre to the hospital is about, you know, five or six million pounds worth. And it will be great. It will be super high quality. It's going to have priority over side roads. It's going to be brilliant. Um, and that's sort of when you've got councils of which many councils across the country are like this they don't have a holistic plan um they they don't have a a chart on their wall like they have with the road network of everywhere they'd like to build and everything they'd like to do and that's what really needs to change and it can actually come from the from the community because you need to have those arterial routes they're important for people who commute and there are people who you know need to go well i need to go there i know there's a route there so i'll do it but also, and this is why we've found ourselves in, you know, uh, quite a dramatic uh, instance with other measures, especially to reduce traffic in in neighbourhoods, so like low traffic neighbourhoods or uh, school streets and and other kind of more, I say, subtle measures that that they're, they're not so subtle, but um, they we need to build those networks using the infrastructure we got. We have not got enough money to build you know, cycle networks on arterial routes on every single street in any city, we've got to be wise with our money. And actually, if you look at the Netherlands and other countries, they don't do that. You know, they have cycle lanes in key places, but a lot of the stuff is just about reducing traffic in neighbourhoods. So my council, Coventry City Council, don't have that overall plan yet, um, but we that's what I'm pushing them on, and they're actually launching a new transport strategy soon, which I'm working with them on and consulting on, um, which should kind of bring it all to bring it all together really um and and you've got to you 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 know you've got to have both and and just on caroline's point as well i think you've got to also um the reason i think cycling uh, there's a couple of things one is we're we're creatures of habit right so if you know i did it the i did it like three months ago i went to go and get something from the shop i was in a rush uh, I'd had a lot a bit my kids wouldn't put their shoes on and stuff and I was you know I was all over the place and I just went just got in the car turned the ignition on and I I sort of went what why am I doing this because because I was going like three quarters of a mile to a mile so I, I turned the engine off and I jumped on I jumped on my bike there's a couple of things that would have stopped me from jumping on my bike in the first place one is 
you know, a lot of people's bikes are in the sheds and things like that. They don't have, they're not thinking about it as their primary utility tool. They're not even maybe thinking about cycling as a utility. Um, and, and then also, you know, people who feel like, you know, we need to get dressed up, you know, I've got to put my helmet on, I've got to put my high vis on. I normally wear a helmet, but I, in that instance, I just jumped on my bike and went because I was in a rush. And as long as cycling felt normal in a country that didn't sort of insinuate that everyone had to wear helmets, you know, I'd feel more comfortable doing that and I would make those short, short journeys. So the more people that do that, and we saw during lockdown, lots more people cycling, I found driver behavior improved slightly just after lockdown because so many more people had witnessed and realized what it was like to ride a bike and and it's that feeling of empathy and if you're in the Netherlands they love cars in the Netherlands they, they own more cars per head than us in the Netherlands but most people driving them also ride bikes and know what it feels like to be passed at you know half a meter's distance or or whatever and when that is a chance of that happening they they move cyclists out the way and they put them in safe space which is what we should be doing. So do you think that I mean it's really interesting when you say that everyone outside the school gate says to you oh I'm really worried about safety and pretty much every day when we turned up on the tandem they'd be like how could you do that it's so risky but actually particularly when you're on a local route um, and you've got the opportunity to know the local roads I never on my journeys around town interact with the cars because I just take the back routes and take the you know the, the the slow roads and take the bits that you might have to get off and cross a road that's one way for a car and it's you know just it's very easy certainly London there are so many little roads it's quite easy to navigate in your neighborhood but the two things that I find are the limiters and it's interesting you say the first is ease of access and just a sort of faff factor uh so i mean we tend to have our tandem lives in our front room because there is nowhere else for it to live so you have to walk past it to get out of the house so you kind of pick it up um but also carrying stuff the sort of the stuff factor um and and those i find are, are the two things that get in my way rather than safety it's a sort of you know oh can you be bothered yes you can there's your bike grab it go but is it going to be somewhere to lock it up safely as caroline says when you get to the other end and carting stuff around i mean we have two enormous panniers <laughs> and um well i was just thinking back to you know going to the supermarket coming back i've lost i remember really sadly losing a melon out of my pannier on the way home because it was too full and i didn't you know that was pudding gone um but but people don't seem to think about that in advance but what what plans are there you know what are, what are practical ways that those two things could be helped do you think i think safety is really really important um i, I think it, it's tempting to sort of look at everything else but you you just speak to folk who don't ride bikes and it you know, say it, it's not comforting to them to say, well, you know, cycling statistically safe because, you know, roller coasters are statistically safe, but you wouldn't want to um, take one to work every single day or very much a few people might like to do that. And that's what the position we're in with cycling. It needs to feel safe and like you don't have to keep up with stuff that's bigger and moving faster with you. A lot of the other stuff I think is just the victim of how the the cycling industry which i you know work in has adapted to meet the needs of the people that are buying bikes so you know our bikes that we sell in this country are, are, are fast they generally have skinny tires they generally don't have mud guards they generally don't even have pannier racks on or, or anything like that and you know in the netherlands people uh, i'd keep in the netherlands in a lot of places people just be like 
that's like you know that that's that's weird like what wh- why have you got a bike like that because you ain't going to be able to do anything with it and and you have that that opportunity to change that and we are seeing that changed now one of the things the biggest things i've got a cargo bike which is you know big and expensive and i have it instead of my car and that's fine but for the biggest like upgrade i've done recently is i bought a 70 pound trailer from ebay and put it on the back of my bike and now all of a sudden i have a cargo bike on any bike that i want and it cost me 70 pounds you know so we need to just explain to people this stuff is possible and show people doing it um to show that it's normal yeah i think it's the attitude change again going back to it the friends i was uh, who uh, from the Netherlands who I met up with on Tuesday they've both got Dutch bikes they've um, because that's what uh, Rude is used to using just jumps on it and Nikki's got an electric Dutch bike mm. uh, which because she's got a three-year-old on the back helps um, in Bristol yeah. the hill kind of thing and uh, they just turned up and that was it whereas I think part of the reason I didn't as, as you said um, turn up is because I've got my nice uh, bike with my uh, I would have had to clip in I'd have had my boots I would have I w- it would it was so much more of a hassle for me to do that and we were going to the park um, versus them jumping on their Dutch bikes which and they took all the back routes it was inc- it was very safe to do it um, so the conversation we're just having I'm thinking I need to make a bit more of an effort just to just get on the bike and um, just hmm. get on with it. What what is a Dutch bike? Well, well, a Dutch bike is um, to, to segue back to, to Coventry. A Dutch bike is a is an English bike uh, that the English forgotten, and that bike was pretty much made in in Coventry. So um, Coventry is known as the heart of the the motor industry, but before that, it was the heart of the bicycle industry. And a guy called John Kemp Starley basically mashed together a variety of innovations um, and created what's known as the safety bicycle and the safety bicycle was the first clue was in the name really it was it was safe it was not like the penny farthings the ordinaries that were also built in coventry um and and it had two regular size wheels it had a chain and it had a diamond frame it's pretty much the bike that we still have today and um that was loads safer and then that gradually changed into what was known as the english roadster which is a kind of gents bike dutch bike and then also a female bike with the 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 big sort of step through in the very upright position um and uh we 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 had those for the um yeah early part of the 20th century and then gradually um it fell out of favor you know more recently in the 60s 70s 80s with mountain bikes and all of those things the dutch took that bike and they just kept using it and they just realize how brilliant it was so it's it's what we would describe as a as a town bike or a shopping bike or you know really really sexist in a a, yeah it's a work bike it's you know we would call them um no potentially call them ladies bikes and and actually the dutch do that as well they call them omafeets which basically means granny bike um but the thing with granny bikes in the netherlands is everyone rides them they're ridden by men they're ridden by women they're ridden by children they're just tools and vehicles to um to get to get around but yeah little fun fact they were you know they're an english invention that's absolutely brilliant so basically it's what you call a sort of sit up and beg normal normal yeah. bike Totally, yeah, okay. a normal bike, but we don't. It's very hard to buy normal bikes in this country, <laughs> yeah, yeah. actually. And a normal bike, you can put panniers on and go to the shops with. Yes, stick your kids on the back, whatever. And probably a lot less likely to get stolen. 
um, yeah. than um, the the smart bikes that, as you said, those are the ones we can get. But that's interesting. So I, I mean, I I just um, googled right now what they look like, and yeah, that's what I just call a bike bike. But um, there we are. <laughs> um, but then I suppose what what you're really saying, Adam, is kind of too many people buy the equivalent of the kind of Formula One car instead of a kind of car car, um, and a sort of you know Dutch bike or a bike bike instead of a kind of fancy bike. Whoa, um, yeah, it's like buying an SUV that's got a smaller yeah. boot size than a Ford Fiesta or, or whatever. <laughs> it's just it, it's just not 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 sensible. So how how have you found? I mean, just sort of talking about your kind of role interacting with with the sort of governance of Coventry. How have they responded to you? I had to I had to work pretty hard to um, to get them to, um, to 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 see the the value. Um, there was an option. I'll be totally frank. There was an option for them at the very start to, you know, make it something that they wanted to actively support. Um, and they they didn't effectively say no, but they didn't effectively say yes either. Um, and I guess one of the nuances of what I do is that because of my background in communications, I, um, you know, I I don't have any formal powers, but I also but I do work with the media who you know are, are really well known for hopefully holding power to account so basically what I was able to do is put cycling on the agenda but also show you know using olive branches show them that I was on their side you know I can there were a few instances where I you know openly called them out for what they were doing and I didn't feel it was you know the right thing we should be doing in a climate emergency or or, or, or you know we're under special quality air quality measures in the city so I um I I did that, but then sort of you know also coupled it with really constructive advice. And there are lots of people that are really very kind and helpful. You know, designers, active travel experts. You know, Will Norman, Chris Borman, people like that who are always happy to share um, advice and like the playbook and what they've been doing. And that I just kept doing that, and they kept seeing that it was valuable and that they could trust me and I think we're in a a good we're in a good place now critical friend is the way that I would describe it have you noticed a change in the last 12 months the momentum starts shifting in a different direction as in you're not so much pushing against a closed door but it's it's opening a lot quicker yeah totally um we there's a couple of things there councillors there are some councillors in Coventry City Council who don't feel that you know they're supportive of cycling largely they don't feel that it could be a genuine transport option. They don't feel like um, they could actually get modal shift, you know, people out of their cars. So it's something we should do if we if it doesn't hurt anyone else or affect anyone else or take up any road space kind of thing. And and the real difference during the pandemic is everyone was cycling. So it showed that if you, you know, we turned off traffic effectively, we had 1950s levels of traffic. It showed that if people, um, if you gave them that safe space, they would do it. So now even the most sort of cynical of councillors can see that actually if they provide the network and framework for people to cycle, they will. So that was one thing. The second thing is that I think we just got this realisation. We've got this realisation that you can't not do anything now. This is part of it. This is part of the programme. You've got to get with the programme. Um, this isn't you know, a fad. It's not going away. There's a climate emergency. You know, We've got an air pollution crisis we've got an inactivity crisis it's just good policy and people are starting to realize that so what would you say pandemic aside has been your best sort of success to date i think probably explaining the benefits and and getting the community on side with with some you know schemes that are quite 
they're not but they they shouldn't be but they are kind of controversial because change is change is hard so you know these the these high quality suit cycle super highways you know they take away parking spaces they you know they require a change in the road network and the road layout and you know before you know people councillors have generally they've got a very hard job they're not paid very much for it and and they they have a thousand fires to put out basically and they will put out the ones that are going to burn them first and and before i started doing this i think what would have happened with those schemes is you would have just heard the the noise of people who didn't want it and that's all councillors ever hear and there was actually a you know i'm not saying petitions are the best way to always go about things but there was a kind of a, a, a petition against the cycleway and we were very quickly able to you know mobilize uh everybody not just cyclists but people who genuinely i'd engage with who who wanted to wanted this stuff and that that you know we were able to create a petition of over twice the size of people who said no i want this and and give their councillors the actual support and conviction to to do that and the other little thing it's a nerdy thing but I, I, I was able to work with the designer to get them to include Dutch style side road entrances on the new cycleways so that people basically it's a level um, a level platform across the side roads. So when a car reaches a side road, they're like, ah, I'm in pedestrian cycle space now. I need to slow down and, and stop rather than what we have at all our side roads at the moment, which is, you know, people go through it as fast as they can when they're turning and, you know, pedestrians and cyclists are sort of left out. So we're a little subtle thing, but that will make a massive difference to how the road feels, make a difference to traffic and side roads, etc. So just a little thing of like tweaking those designs and, and working with the council to, to make a big difference potentially. So that's really interesting. So your kind of role is holding the councillor's toes to the fire and making your fire at the front and then working with design change. I mean, that's fascinating. But going forward then, I mean, obviously we've just had uh, the announcement of the government's climate change proposals um, and their kind of very ambitious um, six carbon budget, which must have a significant impact on uh, road construction in the future. What do you look forward to as your um, kind of next big success? What are you aiming for in, in, in the medium term? I'd like to see a couple of things happen. Um, I will reserve judgment on on the government's most recent announcement because um, you know we need uh, a little less conversation and a little bit more more action. Uh, to quote Elvis Presley, and very we, well done. <laughs> <laughs> um, we we you know it's very easy to make targets, but it's it's really hard to to to, to meet them and. You know, I think there's a couple of things. The government is spending twenty eight billion pounds on on road building. Um, I should be accurate and say that I think twelve to fourteen billion pounds of those are to upgrade uh, existing roads rather than build new ones. I think there is an argument to, you know, make sure not necessarily widening roads, but make sure roads are well surfaced, they're safe, etc. So let's say ten billion quid. Like I think I think that would be that would be an acceptable. Um, uh, 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 amount but we can't build new can't keep building new roads so we've got to um, so you were saying about nine billion was a uh, 10 billion was about a fair amount I think about 10 billion pounds is is a fair amount to be spending on on making sure our roads are safe and pothole free and and good quality um, but we shouldn't be building new ones there was a report just out uh, this month that I, I I tweeted out yesterday that basically showed that the m25 widening program 
what the whole business case for that the economic model was based on higher traffic speeds and the economic benefit of that but what happened which happens time and time again is the road the extra capacity just got gobbled up because driving was made easier and the traffic speeds the congestion is still the same as it was before so we've known this for about 100 years and we keep doing it the economic model of how we build roads is 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 wrong so need to see that change but i think the point for cycling is not about moaning about road building which is sort of related but but is something that that you know is sort of slightly outside of the 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 remit of active travel um advocates and i'd really like to see on a hyper community level much safer human focused streets so my next big target project is to try and work with the council on a network of um, well consulted well engaged community supported low traffic neighborhoods i want to see car parking um you know potentially uh the controlled more i'd like to see the space of car park car parking taken up by parklets little pop-up parks that people can sit and chill and chat with their neighborhoods in i just like to see more human friendly streets and guess what those streets will be better for cycling they'll be better for walking they'll be better for road safety they'll be better to combat antisocial behavior so it's just about kind of yeah humifying humanifying uh if that's not a word uh humanifying our streets um so that's 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 the next the next step and that's better for everybody not just people who want to cycle well, I think humanifying is definitely going to have to be a word because it's um, mm. absolutely encapsulated all. And maybe uh, Caroline and I can have a kind of away day episode and come and visit you in Coventry and uh, um, cycle around some of your new streets, um, yeah, which would sure. be really fun. It's an absolute pleasure to talk to you, Adam. Thank you so very much for coming and joining us. Um, and yeah, thanks for all your really interesting reflections. And thank you. I think my takeaway from this is I've got to jump on my bike more for shorter journeys. I think the lesson I've learned from this podcast is I should uh, do what I preach, basically. And if we if we all did that, it would be a massive difference. Sixty percent of all journeys between one and two miles are driven. They are they are cyclable in about fifteen minutes. Yep. Go local cycling. Thank you so much, Adam. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening. Wheel Life is brought to you by international law firm DAC Beechcraft and Barrister's Chambers, 39 Essex Chambers. Discover more articles, podcasts and webinars over at dacbeachcroft.com and 39essex.com.